0: Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network.
1: For more information about our show or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. I just knocked the the earpiece out of my ear.
0: All oh, I hear is blah blah. Boop, boop.
1: Yeah, yeah. I always have we. always have to have a mishap when I'm recording. With
0: you. I'll say. Oh wait, you you said mishap singular? Oh yeah. <laughs> I said a hey, yes.
1: Welcome to two designers walk into a bar
0: a place where pop
1: culture creatives discover design icons that make us tick, and we share a few
0: cocktails in the process.
1: Yep. Today we look back on our first season and visit some of our favorite memories and some of the funniest things that we've had conversations about.
0: So grab a cold one, take a stroll down memory lane, and join us here back at the bar. So where do you think the best place to start is? Should we just uh, start at the beginning?
1: Yeah. So, you know, some people have heard already about the inspiration. But to me, I think that's the cool part. Mort Drucker brought us together, right?
0: Absolutely. And he didn't even know it. Well, Well, you know. I mean, well, do you mean like brought us together to do the podcast, or do you mean originally brought us together? Because what? I did answer that personal ad that you posted.
1: That I said, uh, you know, um, likes long walks on the beach and Mort Drucker cartoon. So yeah, it brought us together in the original time too, as well as this podcast.
0: Yep, and and kids, this was before uh, apps and online dating and all that. Todd Todd and I met the old fashioned way. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true.
1: But yeah, the thing that, uh, that we have is a, a love of great design, great stories, sometimes the absurd, and uh, mixing all that stuff together, right?
0: Yeah, I guess you could always say that that, in a nutshell, is a great description for Mad Magazine, uh, which is where we both discovered Mort Drucker's illustration work.
1: What was interesting to you when we first were talking that a um, couple months ago, um, mm-hmm. I was cleaning my porch and you caught me, which that was interesting to me. And then, yeah, then I had a were... conversation. So what was interesting about that to you that, that got us this far?
0: If I remember correctly, one of the things that kicked the conversation off was you and I were talking about Mort Drucker having passed away. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the famous, of course, Mad Magazine, among many other jobs he had over his ninety what ninety one years. And or what something a like
1: giant that? influence he yes. was. And we started talking about how great Mad Magazine was, and mm-hmm. uh, we pretended that there were studies that were done that said if you read Mad Magazine, you certainly had a higher than average
0: IQ and. Things like that. I think they actually published that study in Mad Magazine. Oh, well, that's where I saw it. So obviously, Todd, Mad Magazine, which we both love, along with Airplane, which we also discuss in episode one, and which we also both love dearly. Those are two cornerstones of pop culture. And I think the only thing that perhaps we love as much as Airplane and Mad Magazine are all the different tangents that we like to go on when we're talking about things like Airplane and Mad Magazine.
1: Oh my gosh, you're so right, Elliot. And, you know, I love that the tangents that we're on it we bring in sort of our personal adventures and how these things have affected us. The one that stands out to me is uh, our episode on 1976 where we talk about the Bicentennial as well as a KISS album cover. That's sort of the touchstone of what this podcast is about. It's highbrow and lowbrow mixed together. What I love is that we always bring it back to something that made an impression on us. And in this particular case, KISS was bigger than anything else in 1976, and that was a concert that I went to, which probably had some impact on me loving the Michael Dirac cover. As I was gonna ask you a question that I'm getting ready to answer uh, that you would probably ask me first, which is, why was this so influential to you, Todd? Um, and that's because this the, this particular album came out November 11th, 1976. Mm -hmm. Um, So near the end, this was their, again, their second album in a year, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, It just so happened my very first concert was November 27th of 1976. Mm. So, yeah, so this was a big deal for me. It will always be sort of connected to that idea of being a teenager, going to a loud... Um, concert at the Dorton Arena in
0: Raleigh. Oh yeah, which is still there today. Which
1: is still there, uh, yeah, National Registry of Historical Places. Yeah, um, yeah. Yep. Only held like 7,000 people or something like that.
0: Folks out there need to look it up though, it's a super cool building. I, I, Beautiful. I, you know, and, and we could go off on a tangent about this, but the first time I drove to Raleigh, when you and I lived in the same city for a little while, mm-hmm. uh, that was one of the first things I saw. It kind of looks like a Pringle Chip with sides on it, right? And I remember, it with glass sides, and I remember looking at it and thinking, what is that? Mm-hmm. Like that just was super cool to me, but that's another story for another day. Yeah, Todd, so Dorton Arena, an iconic building in Raleigh. We yep. both agree on that, right? You've had mm-hmm. some you've had some moments there. You've had some some milestone moments there, yeah, I think over the years. Yeah, there been some roller right?
1: derby moments there. Yeah, some uh, some hockey, some concerts, you know.
0: Pro wrestling? They ever well, have pro wrestling?
1: Of course. Of course
0: yeah, pro wrestling. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's You know, so far beyond the pale for me to even bring that up as a potential question. And so, well, okay. So we're talking about an iconic place, Mm Dorton Arena. You have some great memories there. I would argue we also, when I say pro wrestling, this makes me think of Andre the Giant. You know, an icon and pro wrestling, right? Yeah. Okay. Which makes me naturally think about who else shepherd, shepherd fairy right, right? right yeah right. obey and and all of that and which naturally leads me to also think about how he started with Andre the Giant but then also how he in into creating an icon out of someone else So Shepard Ferry was able to hone his chops over the years, of course, with his Andre the Giant mm-hmm. Needs a Posse, right? You know, starting from mm-hmm. the crummy Xerox sticker all the way up to the Obey movement and all of these sorts of things. So really, if you think about it, he did a great job kind of laying the groundwork about building this persona around this public individual you know the first time around of course it was a pro wrestler Mm -hmm. but that really made the segue, i think into making this other person heroic that maybe wasn't like a a quote-unquote character but needed in some way to sort of be a character be larger than life to give people something to believe in
1: well and like the lester bill posters lester bill was communicating a concept right yeah um, uh, Shepherd Ferry was communicating uh, a person with a concept uh, and you're exactly right he had to turn a candidate into uh, an icon yeah and you know that's something we went into in our episode about Civic posters where you talked a little bit about the influence that Lester Bill had on you And we dug a little bit into Shepard Fairey's work. And as most people know, he started as a street artist and then did the Obama poster, which speaking of icons, sort of took what he had learned about um, putting these iconic images out on the street and turned it into uh, some help for a presidential campaign, made Obama an icon. And I thought that was really interesting that that was an artist, that type of artist that was chosen to represent a presidential candidate. And it's also that type of artist has some background in uh, in uh, sort of dust-ups with the legal system. And, you know, Elliot, I love a good lawsuit. And uh, that story in our Civic Posters episode didn't disappoint, did it?
0: No, it didn't. It sounds to me like perhaps our yeah. friend Shepard got into a, a little bit of hot water.
1: Well, the, the wonderful thing about Shepard is he certainly has been arrested a number of times, 14 and counting, I think, part of his activism. After the election, so a couple things happened in January of 2009, uh, right in the early part of January, the Smithsonian uh, Institute got a copy of uh, one of the originals. He, he basically did a painting of the poster.
0: And didn't he, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's also collage in that, right? Aren't right, there collage there elements? It's, so it's a little more detailed and ornate. It is,
1: yeah, and it's, it's bigger. You know, it's It was more of like a, a hand-done work of art, but certainly looked like that. And then, of course, Obama was inaugurated on the 20th of January. And then shortly after that, the Associated Press realized that one of their images that they own was sort of the model for for the drawing that um, Shepard Fairey used. It was revealed that one of their photos, shot by a freelancer, a guy named Manny Garcia, was used that Shepard Fairey drew from. Now, we could disagree on this all day long. You know, no offense to Manny Garcia. He took a photograph of then-Senator Obama, not even Candidate Obama, in 2006 sitting next to George Clooney at a Darfur conference. I was really,
0: excited, I thought you were gonna say George Clinton.
1: No, that would be better then, wouldn't it? Realistically, anyone who was standing or sitting in his place could have shot the same photo. And, and again, no offense to him, it was perfectly nice photo. That said, Associated Press said, oh, ooh, this is famous, and you owe us some money for using that. So what had resulted in actually three lawsuits around that one poster.
0: Hey nerds, I'm
1: Sarah, the paper nerd, and if you've ever wondered what goes into that greeting card you just sent or received, well, quite a lot. Get your paper fix on The Paperfold, where I host an enchanting mix of personalities and players all nerding out on my favorite topic, stationery. From the designs of our snail mail communications to the precious space created when two people correspond, there's a lot to cover. So come grab a seat in the stationery community's only five-star paper salon, The Paperfold. Now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. You know, as you just heard there, a little bit about Shepherd Ferry and uh, some of his uh, issues with the legal system. You know, we were talking about how great Lester Bills' posters were and really the challenge those things were facing when they went out to help spread the the good word about power and technology uh, in the plains of uh, the U.S., which really brings us to a mascot that you really fell in love with in our Advertising Mascots episode, right, Elliot? (laughs)
0: that's very true our buddy reddy kilowatt i mean you want to talk about someone who's iconic reddy's been around close to 100 years right around 100 years and uh you know it's one of these things where um nothing lasts forever of course but reddy had uh he had a hell of a run you know um Still around in uh, some very abbreviated ways, um, in some ways outside of the United States. But, uh, But I feel we need to really jump into a clip that starts with Reddy's story and how he came to be.
1: Yeah. So was Reddy Kilowatt based on a person of some kind? Or what was he based on?
0: Okay, so uh, we're going to have the full backstory of this, links to this on our website, because it would, it would take, there, there is like an encyclopedic answer to this, but I'll try to have the fun sort of, again, it's two designers in a bar, right? I'll give you the wow. casual uh, ham-fisted answer that I'm so good at uh, with pretty much everything I dress he was created basically to sell electricity to farmers. So around hundred years ago when the depression had hit, you know, mm-hmm. most of the United States outside of urban areas still didn't have electricity. And mm-hmm. electricity is sort of going back to my quiz with you about like what powers the radio. You don't see electricity. Electricity is kind of a thing, it's all around so, us. Okay, but so here in I, the,
1: so was it like in more rural areas, like yeah. in the south, where, where I grew up in the south?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was basically targeting farmers and so folks it, like this, right? So it
1: was like the magic air. It was the magic air that they were trying to market, wasn't it?
0: Something like that, yeah, I think, if you will. Although I don't think, like, Reddy Kilowatt wasn't, you know, a magician in a top hat and a cape who, like, just magically held a light bulb in his hand and it lit up. He, He actually has lightning bolts for a body, and he actually has little lightning bolt horns, and then he has his ears are... Uh, sockets from an outlet and then he has his light bulb nose like we talked about and he has little woody woodpecker-ish sort of like cartoon gloves and little mm-hmm, elf mm-hmm. kind of boots right he was like a cartoon character uh-huh. but he put a friendly face on something that was both abstract and potentially super dangerous when you think about it so anyway todd that was a of course a very interesting story the origin of our friend Reddy kilowatt but not to be outdone We also touched on another origin story of someone who is fairly ubiquitous and and pretty popular, especially when people get hungry.
1: Um, Yes, Bob's Big Boy, something close to both of our hearts and both of our stomachs. We go a little bit into the origin of Bob's Big Boy, the mascot, the model for that. A couple of different versions that progressed. Uh, Some East Coast, West Coast fighting. You remember that? And then probably the thing that I think surprised you, Elliot, was when we learned that son of graphic designer Lucien Bernhardt, Manfred Bernhardt, was commissioned to revitalize Big Boy a little bit. And he had some very funny opinions about it.
0: So let's jump into that clip and give it a quick listen. In Burbank
1: in 1955, you're going to find this interesting. Bob laid to rest the original Benny Washam drawing and hired a guy named Manfred Bernhardt Wait,
0: to, wait, 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 wait. Name I mean, sound familiar? It, it sounds incredibly familiar.
1: Son of graphic designer Lucian Bernhardt.
0: Uh, one of my to, favorite designers.
1: And so obviously well, what do you do if you're the son of a world famous designer? You design a new character for Big Boy,
0: right? So- uh, this begs a question. This guy's German. Yeah. He's creative. Yeah. So that's two marks in the win column in terms of having an opinion.
1: He had an opinion. He was not impressed with the original big boy mascot saying, and this is a quote, it was sloppy and had a moronic expression. <laughs> so...
0: <laughs> Todd, speaking of <laughs> strange and moronic expressions, <laughs> I think we would be Remiss if we did not mention our street culture episode and your friend and mine, Rat Fink.
1: Rat Fink, yes. Who doesn't love Rat Fink? What was cool about that is learning uh, some of all of the bits and pieces that Rat Fink appeared and all the merchandise uh, that represented the speed and fun in the sun, Rebels Without a Cause in Southern California. Um, So let's hear a little bit about. Some of what Ratfink was up to.
0: Some of my favorite Ratfink illustrations are not only is he standing there with his. Tail and his eyes and his overalls, you know, and all these sorts of things. But he also has like a couple flies buzzing around his head all the time. Right, right, right. right <laughs> With right. his crooked teeth hanging out. So you think, like, did he roll in something? Is it halitosis? <laughs> you know, what's going on here? It's just, I, I love it. It's like, that's, that's, again, to me, that's like a Mad Magazine touch. You know, yeah, you could draw yeah. the character, but I think of all the illustrations I loved in Mad Magazine growing up, and I would look, and yeah, always the funniest things, you know, they always, like, insert a fly or two zipping around in there, and just for that added uh, touch.
1: So, obviously, everyone knows uh, that Ed Big Daddy Roth was just an extension of Mad Magazine with flies buzzing around Ratfink, just like you would see in Mad Magazine. That's what really appeals to all of our hearts. <laughs> right. And that's, and that's part of the uh, origin. And, you know, one thing I found interesting about that episode is I was talking about a Southern California phenomenon. And you were a little uh, further north up on the coast talking about an origin story.
0: Yep, a little farther up the coast, but I would argue just as much humor. And that, of course, is the screaming hand, the Santa Cruz screaming hand. We both know it. We both love it. And it is also rooted in a little bit of humor. And, uh, you know, we uh, touch on that in our street culture episode as well. So in the mid 80s, one of the things that he started to put out was this blue, as he mentioned earlier, hand a severed hand that was mm-hmm. flying through space mm-hmm. with a mouth a screaming mouth in the palm of the hand right because
1: a severed hand wasn't bad enough wasn't painful enough it had to scream
0: of course well wouldn't you scream if you were in pain
1: well I don't have a mouth on my hand either but yeah
0: <laughs> if you keep this up I'm gonna put your mouth on my hand <laughs>
1: You know, Elliot, uh, one of the things that sort of came through in our street culture episode was our love of uh, the lowbrow. A lot of people would probably not look at the screaming hand or rat fink and think uh, that it was great, iconic design and illustration, but it really is. It's stood the test of time, and it certainly has uh, transcended many generations, and you know. I think that showed that we have a love for sort of the unsung hero because we went into that a little bit more in our episode about logos that were underappreciated, right?
0: Right. Now, Todd, sometimes I'm reluctant to toot our own horn. Other times I have no problem with it. And so I feel it's a natural segue to say, you know, I think we're a couple of cool cats. Would you agree with that? I think
1: we're very cool cats, yeah.
0: Yeah. So we talk about a few cool cats as part of our Unsung Logos episode. And uh, let's jump into a a couple clips where we talk about two of these uh, fun logos. So the first one is Royal Cup, the lion that is the Royal Cup logo. And you and I both love this logo. We've Mm -hmm. seen this logo in a lot of places. And after the clip, I want to add on to our story a little bit. We have a little bit of an epilogue about Royal Cup. Let's hear it. I don't really remember where I first saw this mm-hmm, logo. Mm-hmm. I I don't remember if I was staying in a hotel. I see
1: it on trucks all the yeah, time.
0: Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. I've definitely seen it on some trucks as well. So I started digging and I started to do a little research. We would cross paths every so often, right. And uh, me and the king. Yeah, me and the me and, well, no, it wasn't Elvis. Focus oh, on I... focus on the lion. Oh,
1: oh, okay, we're talking about lions. Yeah,
0: okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Todd, I know you love Elvis, but let's I let's do. focus on the task at hand.
1: I do love? I do. I love Elvis, but I do love a coffee drinking lion too. <laughs> Tell me me about this company. Both are
0: high energy. (laughs) Okay. So, um, and they both have beautiful manes, beautiful heads of hair, right? They they do. They They do. do. So for folks who don't know, jumping back out of our clip, after we recorded this, we were still wondering who created this logo. We both love this logo. When you listen to the episode, you'll hear uh, how much we both like this logo and how clever it is. And lo and behold, we uh, hit the interwebs. We what was it, Todd? Through Instagram, I think. Yep. Where we we heard back mm-hmm. from uh, Royal Cup, and they talked about the firm that designed their logo. And it was so awesome to be able to connect those dots. So um, super excited about that. But we could talk about Royal Cup the rest of the day, and we have another fun logo your pick, Black Cat Fireworks. So tell us about Black Cat.
1: Yes, and unfortunately, Black Cat Fireworks hasn't reached out to us in the same way that Royal Cup has, but we're still holding out hope.
0: <laughs> and our hands to receive some of those free fireworks, Black That's Cat. That's
1: right, true. We will plug you endlessly. Um, and speaking of, we really get into what we love about the Black Cat logo, which doesn't really seem like it was probably uh, fussed over that much, I might say, Elliot, but it really has a a specialness about it, and it has a, a freshness about it that we talk a little bit about. Now, take a listen. And again, I'm not so clear on what Black Cats have to do with fireworks, other than the screeching sound, maybe. But if you didn't know, you could think that this logo probably could pass for a rat killer, too. Um, (laughs) It looks just like that.
0: Well, Um, I would argue a black cat is a rat killer.
1: That's true, so this logo could be as great on fireworks and rat killer, because it looks, (laughs) like when you look at it, it just just looks like excitement and a little bit of scariness.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, I would say probably gunpowder is black.
1: Gun. Well, okay, maybe that's where it comes from then, right?
0: Yeah, so do you and, know... And
1: gunpowder kind of has sort of this explosive nature, like uh, <laughs> like this angry cat does.
0: Yeah, and to your point a second ago, a cat screech, you know, when a couple alley cats are getting in a fight, they start caterwauling and they sound like screeching fireworks. Sounds so I like think fireworks. It's, yeah, I think it's really uh, perfect. Do you right. happen to know who drew this logo?
1: i do not i couldn't find that my guess is it probably has been around for a while but if anyone out there knows please do let us know because i would love to talk to this master
0: for those of you who haven't had a chance to jump back in and listen to all the episodes yet we hope you enjoyed our our episode flight of the first half of the season i love it so all your favorite brews from light to dark if you will Mm -hmm. and uh come on back for the second flight some other time when uh we talk about the second half of our season
1: that's right and uh don't forget that we'll be back soon with our second season as well but for right now hope you enjoyed this uh flight of our first half and look forward to the next flight
0: would you would you consider these like seasonal brews uh
1: i think that's a good idea i think that's a good way to 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 put it yeah
0: Okay, so our bar now has some seasonal—like, we're always we're always trading up. We're always trying to do something better for you, the listener. It's
1: always for the listener. Always for you, the listener. That's, you know, we, we just give. We're givers.
0: We're just hoping um, two of our listeners are Royal Cup and Black Cat Fireworks <laughs> because we could really use some free coffee and free fireworks.
1: So we can get jacked up on coffee and shoot off fireworks here in the bar. That
0: would be great. We've been kicked out of worse places. (laughs) You
1: got that right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, folks, thanks for hanging out. Uh, We look forward to hosting you at our bar again very, very soon.
1: While we have your attention, if you want to learn more about us and the podcast, there are a few ways to do it.
0: Visit our website at two 2designerswalkintoabar.com. All of that is spelled out. No numbers.
1: Kind of a long URL, so do yourself a favor and bookmark it. Once you're there, you can find links to more information about the subjects in this episode, our episode archive, and information about both of us.
0: Wait... We do want people to visit, right? (laughs) Well,
1: oh, and look for us on social media. You can find those links on our website as well.
0: And while we're at it, if you have a friend who you feel will dig on our rambling... Tell him or her what we're up to. While we can't guarantee that they will remain your friend, we can guarantee that they will listen to at least 30 seconds of whatever episode you send them the link to. (laughs) That's being a little shameless. And speaking of being shameless, it wouldn't be a proper ask if we didn't mention that if you like what you hear, you can also make a donation via our website. We have a Nigerian prince handling all transactions for us.
1: In fact, he told us to mention that we have stickers to mail to anyone who donates $10 or more. Are we done?
0: we're done. Bonjour,
1: this is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food. So, come join me on Fabulously
0: Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app. Two designers walk into a bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network.
1: For more information about our show, or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com.